You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. idea that somehow conservatism is about like local school boards. It's the United States of America, not the United School Boards or County Commissions of America. So the states, the states are the primary vehicles to protect people's freedoms, their health, their safety, their welfare in our constitutional system. What Biden is doing is not constitutional. There has never been there has never been a federal vaccine mandate imposed on the general public. I hear people talk about, you know, they used to do things in the military. Yeah, when I was in the military, they used to give me all kind of stuff. Honestly, I wish I would have thought a little bit, but I mean, whatever it was. But that's much different than regulating the military and then imposing it on civilians in society. It's never been done before. It's not, they don't have the power to do it. There's no federal police power. States have the, the federal the, 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 the police power. So that's from a constitutional perspective. It is worlds, worlds apart. Now, some people say, hey, these local governments, wanted to lock down businesses. They wanted to force mandates. They wanted to keep the kids locked out of school. Yeah, you're damn right I overruled them on that because they were wrong. And the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, you, you don't have right to, you don't have the right to do wrong. And if I had not stepped in last year and made sure that these local governments couldn't lock you down, couldn't mandate, we get, we, we wouldn't let them fine. We had kids in school last yeah, year because of you. me, Thank not because you. of them. And that's just the bottom line. And so people can say, is it the job of somebody that, that's elected to look out for the liberties of everyone in the state? Or do you just say, hey, if someone's violating your freedom, we shouldn't do anything. The fact of the matter is, if we would have let them lock the kids out of school oh last God, year, we would have paid the piper on that for years and years in this state. If we had let them lock down businesses and restrict and do all that, we would have one of the highest unemployment rates in the country. So. We had to stand up for people's liberties, their livelihoods, their right to work, people's right to own a business, and it was the right thing to do. But what Biden is doing, he does not have the, he even admitted he doesn't have the authority to do it. The Saki admitted that they don't have the authority to do it. And in fact, even six months ago, they were all saying, of course you never mandate, of course you never mandate. And so the question is, do we actually have a constitution that constrains people like Biden? Or is it just when he loses patience, he can do whatever the hell he wants to? No, I'll take the constitution. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet from Glendive, Montana, originally, but now from Greeley, Colorado, currently. Today is Saturday, November 20th, 2021, and that right there was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSavage, says Benny Johnson, 
who tweeted out that video clip of Florida's governor speaking at a Honda dealership in Brandon, Florida, which is just hilarious. That is next level, very subtle, next level trolling for all of us. Brandon, Florida is where he gave that little press conference. And I love the sentiment he's communicating there. I haven't gotten into it yet. I'm hoping to in coming months, but I've heard from Doug Wilson, pastor in Moscow, Idaho, a bit of a controversial figure in American evangelical Christianity. I've heard that John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion flesh out this idea of the lesser magistrate and how Romans 13 is not being violated when it says in the New Testament that we're supposed to submit ourselves to the governing authorities. It's not being violated when you have a more local government official stepping in to protect the citizenry from tyranny, from oppression, from an ungodly or wicked mandate. It is not a violation if you are in cahoots with a lesser magistrate. In fact, that may be God's mercy to your locality if a governing official in your jurisdiction steps in and provides top cover for you and your civil liberties. I have not read Calvin's Institutes myself. I hope to, as I say, they're very long, but I think that would give me a much better firsthand understanding of Christianity, the history of the church. But from my understanding, limited as it may be, with qualifiers aplenty, it seems to me as though Ron DeSantis is just exactly the sort of lesser magistrate, lower magistrate, which we should hope to elect, hope to have in our neighborhood. What Ron DeSantis is saying there at the very tail end about preferring the Constitution over the will and whim of Joe Biden speaks for a lot of us. He's putting to words what a lot of us feel, and we do need to have representatives like Ron DeSantis to say, hold on a second, wait, wait, wait. By your own admission, what you're doing is wrong. It is unprecedented. It is unconstitutional. We do have a constitution for a reason. And as you find if you read British history, English history, Magna Carta was the product of a country deciding at a certain point, hey, wait a second, the king should not be the law. The king himself should be subject to the standard of what is good and what is true and what is right, which transcends humanity. The king himself should be subject to the laws and not a law unto himself. If the king becomes the standard, whatever pops into his head is just the law by edict, well then, why would we go along with that if what the king is saying is not good, is not true? And as you search the scriptures, like Bereans, you find 
there's a lot of precedent for taking that position. If what the king is saying violates what God says, you have to obey God rather than men. Not because you are a rebel against authority, but because in that case, the king is actually a rebel. A rebel. He's a in rebellion. He is a rebel against God. And so you find in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, the youths are in a pickle where they are commanded, as is everyone, to bow down and worship this golden statue of the king. Every time the music plays, we're going to kowtow to the king. And their response is, we can't do this. We can't do this thing. Oh, king, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. And when they say that, when they make that stand, they're respectful in a way that we could learn a thing or two from and in a way that maybe calls into question the whole let's go Brandon sentiment. Let's be honest. We don't see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, let's go, Brandon, to the king in the book of Daniel. They're very respectful in the way that they respond to him, even as they're about to be thrown into a fiery furnace and burned to death as an example and a warning to all. But what is it that they say, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't? We still won't bow down. That right there perfectly encapsulates this idea that submission to authority on the part of God's people must ultimately find its origin in our submission to God. We don't submit to human authority arbitrarily. First and foremost, we submit to God's authority first and foremost. And then under God, he institutes authority and Quite honestly, this isn't to say that the United States Constitution is divinely inspired or that it's scripture, but truth be told, all of our elected officials, all of our military service members, all of our law enforcement officials, every member of the three branches of government that we have at both the state and the federal level, make an oath, they swear an oath to uphold the Constitution, to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Well, you can't really do that if you just roll over every time somebody comes up challenging the Constitution, dismissing it out of hand, reinterpreting it radically as if the words on the paper mean nothing or they mean whatever we want them to mean. You can't fulfill that oath if you are participating in this revisionism in an unconstitutional way, whether actively or passively. And we all do well to remember that when it comes time to vote for representatives who are going to serve on our behalf, on behalf of our neighbors, our friends, our family, future generations. We all do well to remember that these men and women have sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution, and that should count for something. So God bless Ron DeSantis 
I think he is a hero. He certainly is one of the few heroes in this whole COVID nonsense. And I pray for him. I pray that he is able to continue on in rewarding those who do good, punishing those who do evil, standing up for innocent people who are being led away to the slaughter, not just in his own state, but by example in other states as well. He is setting an example of here's how you maintain law and order. Here's how you protect innocent men, women, and children from tyranny. So God bless him for it. Moving on, I want to talk a little bit about the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, which just came back yesterday. If you have not been paying attention to the news, the verdict is in and the jury finds Kyle Rittenhouse, 18-year-old, who defended himself with deadly force last year in Kenosha, Wisconsin, not guilty on all charges. Predictably, as if on cue, the left is going crazy. As if to show, as if to prove the whole point of why Kyle Rittenhouse was in the streets on August 25th, 2020, as if to prove what conservatives have been saying as far as the nature of the left, the left is threatening riots because of this not guilty verdict. Justice has not been served, supposedly. Justice in the minds of the leftists was a foregone conclusion. Someone dared to be on the streets who did not agree with the narrative of the left, did not agree with, authorize, condone, support the riots. He was attacked by radical leftists with deadly force, with hostile intent, with threats of deadly force. And he responded after trying to tell them to stop it, leave him alone. No, a word they were not familiar with. They did not grow up hearing the word no. He responded with deadly force and he defended his life as is his natural right, as is his God-given right. And for all this nonsense about him being a white supremacist, he's not a very good white supremacist. He's a, he's a pretty, pretty poor white supremacist because he didn't kill any black people. He shot and killed a pedophile, for one thing. He shot and killed another white man who was attacking him. And he, quote, vaporized the bicep of yet another leftist who was attacking him. Advancing on him within three to five feet, holding a Glock 27, I believe it was, in his hand, pointing it at young Mr. Rittenhouse. The left has taken to Twitter, they've taken to the airwaves. Uh, among the various threats 
Ray, Ron5Ray, tweets out, It's okay. We will riot tonight. Don't you mean protest? Right. Right. Okay. You, you don't have a right to riot, actually. You are demonstrating that the left in this country, the Democrat Party, has been for lawlessness all along. You have, on the one hand, the party of law and order. You have, on the other hand, the party of lawlessness. Up is down. Black is white. In is out. Good is bad. Right is wrong. Truth is a lie, according to the Democratic Party. Searing Light 2 tweets out, Remember, folks, it only takes between 6 and 10 people to flip a police car. Tangerine Tornado 2 tweets out, It's time to burn it down in Kenosha. Right. MSNBC reports, Kyle Rittenhouse trial was designed to protect white conservatives who kill. That was the readout blog. Joy Reid at MSNBC. Well, it's an interesting thing. Your little subtitle there, the shooter's homicide acquittal coddles conservatives and may lead to even more violence. I think what you mean is conservatives have the right to defend themselves from violent, lawless, depraved leftists who attack them with deadly force while shouting, screaming, death threats. That's not coddling to say that conservatives are human beings who have a right to not be violently assaulted by leftists. That's not coddling. It's not white supremacy just because leftists were attacking a young white man and he defended himself. That's not white supremacy. It's not white supremacy just because somebody dared to tell the leftist mob that was rioting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, no. And quite frankly, the more the evidence has come out, I think Mr. Rittenhouse was doing exactly the right thing. He's there trying to clean up graffiti. He's there trying to give first aid to anybody who might need first aid. Somebody's hurt. Hey, I can help. He's open carrying an AR-15. That's a good thing he was. Otherwise, he'd probably be dead. It's not designed to protect white conservatives who kill. This is about people made in the image of God, whatever their color, having the right to defend themselves with deadly force if necessary from lawless brute beasts who can't be reasoned with. That's what this is about. And on the flip side, what you want is you want it to be open season on white conservatives. You want there to be no protections for white conservatives. You want them to be dehumanized. And everything that you said about Kyle Rittenhouse that was not true screams that you want white conservatives dehumanized so that your leftist, anarchist revolutionaries in the streets 
can cope with the very worst, awful, heinous, evil things they can imagine doing to white conservatives. There's a racist in the mix here, but it's not Kyle Rittenhouse. At least I haven't seen evidence of that. The racist here is you, Joy Reid. You're the racist. Ben Shapiro tweets, Young white man goes to city to defend private property against rioters, shoots three white people trying to kill him, wrongfully prosecuted, correctly acquitted. Media, this is evidence that America hates black people. Again, not a very good white supremacist. He only shot white men. But see, white men are actually black people, black men, so long as they're rioting on behalf of the media falsehood regarding Jacob Blake. Shooting white rioters who are attacking you while screaming death threats is actually white supremacy. Got it. Okay. Martin Luther King III says, failure to hold Kyle Rittenhouse accountable sends a clear message that violence, hatred, and racism can and will win in our nation. America, we must do better. We must work towards a nation where racism, poverty, and violence are replaced with peace, justice, and equity. Accountable for what? Defending himself? Defending his life? While he was being attacked? Justice in the mind of the leftist in America is them getting whatever they want. That's what justice means. That's what social justice is all about. Let's throw the word social on there. Let's tack the word social on there as a way of saying that justice is whatever we say it is. As a way of maneuvering out of accountability to God's standard of justice. Plain and simple. You are the rebel here. You're the rebel not against the laws of the United States of America, first and foremost. You're a rebel against the laws of God. You don't like the idea that truth and goodness are fixed standards that come from the creator. You don't like the idea that somebody could tell you, no, that doesn't belong to you. You don't have a right to that. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? That's evil. No, it's not actually. You thinking that you are the standard, you are the source of the standard, that your political movement is the source of the standard. That's evil, actually. They say that politics makes for strange bedfellows. You are of your father, the devil. How, how about them bedfellows? Robert Reich says, white supremacist violence is surging in America. This should horrify everyone. You know, I watched a lot of news. I read a lot of news. I paid a lot of attention over the past few years to violence in America. I saw a lot of violence in America from the left. I saw a whole lot of conservatives angry, frustrated, confused, not sure what to do. White supremacist violence? Try this one on for size. The Democrats are the party of white supremacy. The soft bigotry of low expectations. Jacob Blake is actually a victim. George Floyd is actually a victim. 
drug use, sexual assault, violence, fraud, assaulting a police officer, disobeying a lawful order, going for a knife when the police are telling you stop, 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 stop. Oh, he can't help it. He's black. He can't help it. What? No, I'm sorry. That's white supremacy. That you think that only white people can follow a lawful order. You think that only white people can restrain themselves from being high on methamphetamine, passing fake currency, disobeying a lawful order. You think that only white people can help themselves when it comes to sexually assaulting their ex-girlfriend, kidnapping her children, commandeering her vehicle without permission. You think that only white people can follow the law. The Republican Party is not the party of white supremacy. The Democrat Party is the party of white supremacy. And you use spitefully the black community in this country to try and get power for yourselves. And you're trying, you will try and you are trying to make hay to cover up for the way that you have screwed up this country. Inflation, job loss, economic destruction, rising gas prices, rising electricity prices, rising natural gas and gasoline prices, empty store shelves, supply chain issues. No, no, no. Let's not pay any attention to that. Look at this. A young 17-year-old white boy shot leftist rioters as they were advancing on him. One of them had just knocked him to the street with a skateboard to the face. He's a white supremacist. Let's focus you on that. Let's get you all riled up and angry and dehumanize this little white boy and create a whole bunch of controversy like we're popping smoke while we sneak away and avoid accountability for the economic, social, and political devastation we are wreaking. You'll be all in a tizzy about an innocent young man who has suffered enough being acquitted of charges which never should have been brought in the first place. Hmm. Okay. Gotcha. MC Sean, Cat Dad Sean, on Twitter, tweets out, I hope Kenosha burns the next few days. All of it. Every courthouse, every cop car, every white person's home who isn't supporting the burning. Burn it all. You're insane. You're a crazy person. What you just communicated there has more need for charges to be brought than what Kyle Rittenhouse did on the night of August 25th, 2020. CNN headline, fiery but mostly peaceful tweets. On that note, there's another little interesting tidbit about CNN I'd like to share with you as we pivot. As we pivot from President Biden being told by his handlers to say that he's angry and concerned with the Rittenhouse verdict. Let's take a listen to a exchange that recently happened on CNBC regarding CNN. Fed, I would like to see CNN evolve 
back to the kind of journalism that it started with and, uh, you know, actually have journalists, which would be unique and refreshing. I think uh, a coward's way out would be to sell it <laughs> or spin it off and then sell it. Do it. And- that, ladies and gentlemen, is John Malone, top shareholder of Discovery, which is poised to take over CNN. That is from an interview that David Faber had with CNBC's Squawk on the Street this past Thursday. The Daily Wire reports AT&T announced in May that it would spin off Warner Media and merge it with Discovery as a new company. The move would combine HBO Max and Discovery Plus, as well as the Food Network, CNN, TNT, TBS, ID, and HGTV. Malone, Discovery's largest shareholder, would have a definitive role in the company that emerges after the pending merger. Moving on down the article at dailywire.com, Faber implied that Malone might have to sell CNN rather than reform its commentary-heavy primetime lineup. While CNN will be part of this company, Faber noted that numerous other media companies may wish to purchase the cable news network, which was founded by Ted Turner in 1980. Quote, I would assume there's any number of potential suitors for that property should the board decide that it really doesn't fit, he said. Malone seemed reticent. Quote, I think a coward's way out would be to sell it or spin it off and then sell it, he said. Still, he said, offloading the company could be doable. So, in other words, you might just have actual journalism at CNN once again. Maybe, possibly, that would be entertaining if they actually were doing real journalism and not the incitement to violence, incitement to riot, which we see so constantly, which between CNN and MSNBC led the way as far as the mainstream media promoting these mostly peaceful protests where Black Lives Matter tweets out and acts on sentiments like MC Sean. I hope Kenosha burns in the next few days. All of it, every courthouse, every cop car, every white person's home who isn't supporting the burning. CNN and MSNBC have fueled that. They have fueled that with phony coverage, sloppy journalism, lies, quite frankly, lies to try and get rating. If CNN and MSNBC have to learn their lesson, or at least CNN at this point, or hopefully soon, maybe that helps turn the corner for some of these other properties and they change their wicked ways as well. NBC News, meanwhile, tweets out from Christina Wyman. Parents think they have the right to control teaching and learning because their children are the ones educated. It's sort of like entering a surgical unit thinking you can interfere with an operation because the patient is your child. (sighs) A couple of thoughts on that. For one thing, if... My child was taken from me into surgery for a not only unhelpful surgery, but a surgery that was going to do serious harm for the rest of my child's life. 
you're damn straight I would get in there and interfere because the patient is my child. You're trying to cut off limbs and do harm to my child to advance your own political agenda and you're hiding behind the fact that you're a surgeon. We're going to have a problem. Rather, you're going to have a problem. I'm not going to stand idly by just because you've got a white lab coat on. Sorry, no. So also, parents who, quote, interfere in their children being indoctrinated in critical race theory, being taught that if they are white, they're inherently morally and spiritually inferior, being dehumanized, that they should be ashamed of themselves, that they should have everything taken away from them and given to anyone who's not white, this radical wealth redistribution scheme, which is at the heart of CRT, that is where CRT is intending to take us all, not just wealth, but political power as well. The two are kind of one and the same. Absolutely, parents have the right to interfere. But you're assuming the premise in your framing of the issue. You're assuming that educators actually have the primary right over your children. For that matter, you're assuming that anybody with a white lab coat has the right over your children. You know, this is exactly what we were talking about here in recent episodes regarding being on the right side of history. James Hankins writes for First Things Magazine that the children who are being given a classical education, whether that's a private school, whether that's homeschooling, whether that's some kind of a hybrid schooling option, the children who are getting a classical education in rhetoric, in logic, in history, in literature, in art, they're the ones who know stuff, as he says. They're the ones who are going to be the elites moving forward in decades to come, if the world stands. Lord willing and the creek don't rise, as they say in the South. Parents have not only the right to interfere, they have the primary responsibility. You have the right and the responsibility to make a decision as to how your child is educated. And if your child's getting a really crappy education, because this is a lot of activism and it's not actually designed to empower your child, it's designed to disempower your child, make them a victim for decades to come, for the rest of their life, for generations to come, you have not just the right to interfere, you have an obligation to interfere. You have an obligation before God. That child is your responsibility and you need to act like it. Pull them out, teach them at home. Hire a tutor, figure it out. Figure it out, make it work. In other news, I received a really encouraging text message yesterday from a listener Todd Carr in Kentucky. He says, I heard through your podcast you were changing careers. Who and where are you going? Enjoy your podcasts. Like the ones on marriage and homeschooling. 
glad you refer to the Bible and God in all your podcasts. Thanks, Todd. You know, it's a funny thing. I'm always delighted and also sobered by anyone letting me know that they listen. If I didn't know that they listened to my podcast or if they engage with the material, I am, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm somewhat surprised and I shouldn't be surprised, but it's encouraging. It, it really is. Uh, you know, I've, I've always said from the beginning when I first launched this, at a minimum, I want to be able to communicate better and handle the truth better myself. If nobody listens, but it just helps me to refine my thinking on things, then that's a win. And if it's a posterity project for generations to come, well, that's how I want to handle it. I want to handle this almost like the uh, oh, captain's log of sorts in Star Trek, where every episode opens with the captain speaking and giving an account of what it is that has been happening recently, what's happening right now. It's kind of like a journal entry, kind of like the black box in an airplane. Something goes terribly awry. You can go back and review the recordings and see, okay, you know, what was the order of events to try and understand, you know, how to not have a bad thing happen again or how to make a better airplane or a safer airplane or, or what have you. But the captain's log sets up the episode and then proceeds the action. And in some respect, I've kind of resigned myself, if you will, hopefully not fatalistically, hopefully more humbly than fatalistically, but I've resigned myself to this podcast being a posterity project. You know, 20 years from now, if this is still available, you know, my kids can go back and listen to some of these things and say, wow, you know, that was, that was pretty cool, right? And with as much content as I'm creating, I don't know that they're going to listen to all of it, but it acts as a kind of time capsule. Hey, what was happening in the world when we were growing up? I think part of it is driven too by my interest in understanding better where I come from. And it just blows me away that so many of my ancestors, whichever branch of the family tree I'm trying to explore, are just a name and dates and places to me. I don't know much about who they were or what they did or what they thought or how they saw the world. I've got to look other places to see what was going on while they were alive. And I'm sure there are records out there of what they did and what they thought and what was going on. But there's a big part of me that for future generations wants to establish a godly legacy, wants to establish an understanding of here's who you are, here's where you come from. And quite frankly, for any of you who might be listening decades from now, my descendants, I hope you do better as a result. 
I hope you do better than we did as a result of listening back through. I hope you learn from mistakes that we made. I hope you're able to put puzzle pieces in that we couldn't figure out quite where they went. And I hope you're able to do that in part because we set an example of trying to put puzzle pieces in place that we could find, that we did know. Hey, I know this puzzle piece goes here. You know, in our day, right this instant, when you've got crazy leftists threatening to burn down cities, wanting, wanting to burn down every white person's house in Kenosha, Wisconsin, because Kyle Rittenhouse was just acquitted. I think a lot of us would know where to put puzzle pieces better if we weren't so damned afraid. Fear is the mind killer, as Frank Herbert says. If we weren't so afraid of the consequences, we would be putting a lot more puzzle pieces together than we are. But because there are going to be consequences, because somebody's going to threaten our lives, threaten our livelihoods, threaten to burn down our house, flip over our car, we don't want to go there. And so long as that's the case, so long as that is enough to stop us dead in our tracks from putting it together, from connecting dots, it's not going to get better. It's going to get much worse, folks. If the future belongs to these Twitter blue checks, if the future belongs to the Democrats who are lawless, the, the party of lawlessness, if the future belongs to the black caucus chair who pushes gun reform, so-called, after Rittenhouse acquittal. She calls the claim of self-defense ludicrous. If the future belongs to those folks, it's like taking the puzzle as far as it had been put together and setting it on fire. But I, for one, I'm not good with that. I'm not okay with that. Whatever happens to me, let it not be said that I participated in that either actively or passively. And I hope if you're listening to this podcast, either now or decades to come, I hope that you are not going to be a part of that either, actively or passively. I got to leave it there, though. It's a Saturday morning. It's time for another cup of coffee. I always have one cup of coffee before I record my podcast and then another right after. I have sermon prep still to do. My sermon is almost 100% ready, God willing. I am nervous, I'll be honest. I'm preaching tomorrow morning at Summit View Community Church in Evans, Colorado. If you're in the area, feel free to stop in. If you want to check it out on the live stream, the uh, sermon will be broadcast live. Church starts at 9.30, usually goes until uh, about 11, thereabouts, 10.45 or 11 o'clock. I don't know if I have too much content or not enough. I suppose it depends on how fast I talk. <laughs> but I am nervous. I hope I don't bungle it. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit like Charlie Brown 
when Lucy holds the football, not because anybody's going to pull the football away from me, but because uh, I just might trip and don't want to do that. I'm sure it'll be fine. The point is not for me to come through looking really great. The point is for us to know the truth about God, to know the truth about ourselves and God's word, because the truth will set us free. But I got to run, got to jump back into that. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.